0: Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of Storytime for Weirdos. This episode is entitled The Rise and Fall of Joseph Smith. Billionaire businessman Joseph Smith decided to run for president. He ended... Every speech with, Don't let the eggheads take away your freedom. His campaign was a stunning success, and on the night of his election, a reporter asked him what he meant by eggheads. Having never given it much thought, Joseph Smith replied, Well, it's you and your lot. Everyone who thinks that a degree or reading a book or being a so-called expert gives them the right to run things. From the start, his administration was fraught with graft and incompetence. With each new scandal, he blamed the eggheads and lawyers, professionals, and bureaucrats. October 5th, 1215 AM, Chicago, St. Bartholomew Hospital Emergency Room. Dr. Spencer had just downloaded the app. When he got the alert, an automobile collision on Lakeshore Drive, one injury inbound. The patient was in critical condition and needed emergency surgery. Dr. Spencer entered the operating room and checked the chart, remembering a news clip from the week before where Joseph Smith had blamed medical professionals for rising mortality rates while he bankrupted Medicare and Medicaid. Dr. Spencer entered the name and address of the patient into the new app on his phone. Everyone stop, he said. This man supports Joseph Smith. The nurses and residents looked at Dr. Spencer, sat down their work, and stepped away from the patient. The only sound was the heart monitor. October 5th, 7.45 a.m., Cool Whip, Alabama. Tammy Lee snarled at her daughter, Tracy Lou as she pulled into the empty parking lot at the elementary school. I can't be late again, she said, opening the doors and shooing her three kids toward the doors of the school. Tracy Lou and her two siblings ran to the door as Tammy climbed back into the driver's seat of her car. She stopped as she heard her kids shouting that the doors were locked. Where the hell are those teachers? Tammy ranted as her children climbed back into the car. October 5th, 9.14 a.m., flight from Raleigh-Durham to Seattle. Captain Cantu settled into the seat and looked over the manifest for the flight. He opened an app on his phone and took a photo of the passenger list. Reviewing it, he made an announcement. Passengers Bo Bumhauer, Joe and Cindy McCon. And Frank Jones, please gather your belongings and report to the ticketing agent in the terminal. He turned as the flight attendant poked her head into the cockpit. Hey Candace, if any of those people give you trouble, call security, he ordered. They support Joseph Smith. And so it went all throughout the country. In many places, teachers, lawyers, and doctors had completely disappeared. In cities and suburbs... Names and addresses were run through a hacked list of voters before services were rendered. College students were removed from classrooms, travelers from flights, and patients from hospitals. Internet access went down for roughly half the U.S. population around 10.30 a.m. Roughly three days later, power started to go out in large swaths of the country as the engineers were no longer maintaining the system. October 9th, 12.15 p.m., New York Times Newsroom, New York City. Fred Miller stormed into his editor's office. Why won't you publish this piece, he demanded, angrily. People are dying. The livelihoods of millions of Americans is being ignored. Winston, his editor, looked up from his reading and said, Fred, I thought you would have been in the loop on this. What are you talking about? Fred asked, baffled. Winston clacked away at his computer for a few minutes in silence. The database doesn't lie. I just didn't want to believe the worst, I guess. Winston sighed and looked out the window. Fred, clean out your desk. October 9th, 2.31 p.m., the White House, Washington, D.C. Maurice, bellowed President Smith. Where the hell is lunch? Sorry, boss, Maurice replied. The White House chef left a few days ago, and Susan's in Kansas, taking care of her mother. What's going on around here? The president asked for the hundredth time that day. The hallways are empty. Floyd at the Justice Department says no one has been in the office in days. Where are those assholes from the FBI? They're always trying to brief me. We haven't heard back from Director Stevens, replied Maurice. What the hell is happening? The rapture? President Smith raged. ''If so, we've been seriously misled by our religious leaders,'' said Maurice. (laughs) "Ha!" the president chuckled. ''Speaking of useful things, I don't believe. What's the press saying about all this?'' ''Well,'' said Maurice pensively, ''the internet is down, so I haven't seen Bright Spot in days. The Examiner doesn't appear to be printing,'' he trailed off, shrugging. ''Okay, okay, what about the real news, the Times, the Post?'' asked Smith spitting out the names with obvious disgust. That's what's odd, Maurice replied. This kind of a American crisis story usually gets them all hot and bothered, but nothing. He picked up a paper. The mayor of New York used a swear word on a radio program and a profile of John Mulaney. Ah, Who cares what he does on a Sunday morning? Maurice, snapped Smith. Focus. I want to know what's happening and how to stop it. Soon after he said this, there was a knock at the door in the Oval Office. Smith nodded to Maurice, who opened the door. A staff member, whose name Maurice did not know and who he hadn't seen in days, stood in the hall. For the president, sir, he said, handing Maurice an envelope. Before Maurice could reply, the staff member turned and walked briskly down the hall and out of sight. Maurice handed the envelope to the president, who tore it open and read the unsigned letter within. The experts of America are demanding the resignation of me, the vice president, and the rest of the administration, he said, both stunned and angry. October 10th, 10 a.m., Miami, Florida. The alert went to roughly two-thirds of the population, including Dale Morris and his wife Maureen. They spent the rest of the morning packing and preparing their house. As Dale put the suitcases in the trunk of the car and closed it, His neighbor, Bob, shouted from his front stoop. Morning, neighbor, Bob said. You taking a trip? Dale hesitated. Bob was always so nice to him, but he knew his political inclinations. He thought about Joseph Smith blaming engineers for a bridge collapse in St. Louis. Dale had inspected that bridge last year and warned that it was dangerous. The budget put forward by the administration has cut funding for infrastructure. He smiled at Bob. Yeah, just a few days in Georgia with Maureen's sister. Well, enjoy yourself, Bob replied, waving. Dale got in the car and turned to Maureen. That was hard, he said. Bob's always so nice. I know he supports Joseph Smith, but honey, Maureen replied, putting her hand on his. Nice isn't good. October 11th, 4.40 p.m., Florida. Category 4 hurricane made landfall in southern Florida. The damage was devastating. Fatalities were high. The remaining population had no warning and no access to medical care. Journalists toured the affected areas and asked the victims the same question. How do you feel about President Smith? Many roundly denounced the president. Others did not. October 12th, 12 p.m., the White House, Washington, D.C., President Smith, exclaimed Maurice, scurrying into the Oval Office. I was at the FBI headquarters today, and did you see this? Interrupted President Smith, holding up a newspaper. The Post's front page is just people in Florida calling for my resignation. No, it's, it's not, sir, replied Maurice, brandishing his own copy of the Post with headlines about apple picking in Virginia and Meryl Streep's favorite cookies. October 13th, 10.30 a.m., the National Mall, Washington, D.C. The first bus arrived filled with angry former Joseph Smith supporters. Each one of them had been approached by journalists and denounced him. Soon after, they had received medical treatment, engineering services, and or legal advice. Their electricity, water, heat, and internet had returned, and they had been invited to a protest at the National Mall. October 14th. 3.41 p.m., the National Mall, Washington, D.C. The crowd had overflowed the mall the day before and marched down Pennsylvania Avenue and surrounded the White House that morning. Starting around noon, members of the administration had emerged, announced their resignation, and denounced Joseph Smith. With each one, the mood of the crowd improved until it was almost like a festival. Music was playing, People were dancing and food was being cooked on open grills by the finest chefs in the country. Finally, he emerged from the White House and the crowd fell silent. He approached the microphone. I, Joseph Smith, hereby resign as President of the United States of America, his voice cracked. I no longer support Joseph Smith. The words washed over the crowd, which stood breathless for a long moment. He stepped away from the microphone. And crowd erupted in cheers as a new American Golden Age is born. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Storytime for Weirdos, a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes posted on the first and third Saturday of every month.